Welcome to the Winning Golf Podcast, where we will help you play better golf more often. Prepare to take your game to the next level and play the golf of your dreams with our host coach, Mark Pearson. Hello and welcome to another issue of Winning Golf. Winston Churchill once said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And for those of you that listened to my first podcast in this series, you know that planning is very much one of the five P's and and the pillars really of my coaching. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about how to create a plan, uh, what elements it has and what we need to do. Initially, I think when I was working with players, um, I think I probably sometimes overcomplicated a plan, tried to make it too long. What then tends to happen is you tend to write that plan down uh, it never gets looked at, so or it never gets looked at again, should I say. So what I try to do now is make the plan flowing. Uh, I very rarely go probably forward more than about three months or so. Uh, and the key elements that we really need on it are, where am I now? Um, and so in other words, what what is my game like? What are my departments like? What are my stats like? W- where am I trying to go with that? Because we need a direction. Um, what tools do I need to take that direction uh, and what do I need for the journey so they're the kind of things we're going to have a little look at so the key elements are where are we now with our game what stage is it at you know am I a high handicapper am I a three handicapper what strengths what weaknesses do I have but probably more important where are we going what is the destination am I that nine handicapper trying to get to category one an 18 trying to get to nine, a scratch golfer trying to get on tour, a young guy. So we need to have that destination. We also need to know the direction, the the journey that we're going on. We need to know uh, what turns it needs to take. We need to have a proper route map for that. And then the, the final part is, who do we need to take along on that journey? What tools do we need? What parts of it are they? So there's four elements. Where are we? Where's our destination? What direction, what's what's the route we're trying to take, and then what tools do we need to take with it? So let's deal with the first couple of those four points. What what is our destination uh, and what's the route that we're going to get to it? So first of all, the destination can be easy, although not everybody always imagines it. Um, I call this the sort of the big dream goal. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of goals, but the big dream you know, that end product I'm really, really keen on. So, you know, I love young players to have a dream of maybe getting on tour. I love handicapped golfers to dream about playing, you know, in single figures and single figure golfers maybe about dreaming about to play for their county or things because they are the things that underpin the effort that we'll need and the passion that we need to get them to be able to play better. Um once, once we have that big one in place, I'm, I'm not always massively keen on outcome goals. So by outcome goals, I mean things like winning tournaments, etc., to be put in and times on them because such a lot can get in the way in this journey. So I think it's important that we sort of understand that we're going to gather some milestones. So if a young player is going to play on tour, yes, he's going to have to go to tour school. He's probably going to have to get down to a low handicap first. He's, he's then probably, you know, if he wants to get in the Ryder Cup team, he's going to have to win some tour events. And to get on tour, he's going to have to be successful in certain areas. So he, he will definitely tick off milestones. 
and I like that. I like the fact that they energize, uh, that they provide a boost to the player. But ultimately, I don't think they play any part in the plan. What what happens is we need to know the route we're going, but we need really the next few turns. So right. what I'm much keener on is that we, we have a starting point in some direction and we set what, what I would call process goals. So in other words, what things are you going to go out and do to improve your golf today and tomorrow? Um, the dream big is good. It pins it in. But the hardest part is focusing and making the decision on what you need to do right now. And it might not be one thing, but it definitely won't be one thing. It can be uh, an amalgamation of many small things, or it can be one or two big things, but there certainly is something that you need to focus on, and it become your process. And this, as I said, is probably the hardest part. This is where you need help. This is where coaches really earn their money, because they will help players start to make good and smart decisions on what they need to do to begin with. So if we've got the destination in our minds and we sort of know vaguely the route plan, and obviously, uh, as we said, you know, if it, I always like to use the analogy of a car journey, and sometimes you have to change your route because roads are closed or something happens to the car. But equally, you don't need a full tank. You don't need the boot full of lots of things if you're going on a short journey. And equally, if you are going on a long, complex journey, you might need more. So I think the key thing is that you can't do everything all at once. And you certainly mustn't make unnecessary changes. I think the temptation with golfers is to think they need to sort too many things out. Um, and, a, and a classic one here that I'll give you right now is that, you know, I, I'm a fan, by the way, of, of training, physical training for golfers. I think it can play an important part of what they do but I see all too many people these days because it's been a bit of a buzzword out there that they should go and train to help their golf now quite frankly I think for if there's a, a busy guy you know with a job and limited time to spend on his golf if he thinks that going out and training is going to rapidly reduce his golf scores I think he's sadly mistaken and before all the PTs out there, the golf-specific ones, you know, start to have a go at me. My rationale for doing that is if he has limited time, he's probably better learning some of golf skills than just working on his body, which doesn't have a skill factor attached to it. Now, if a player was then trying to, to go on a much longer journey, a deeper, more complex journey, training physically may well be the right thing to do to unlock some doors, to make certain swing moves, etc., etc. But it doesn't just follow that if you train your golf scores lower if you need to train to make a movement to make your golf swing uh, to make your scores lower well then that would be absolutely right so you know in a world you take the tour players for example it becomes very very important that they train because we know we want distance and the body is going to struggle to go fast if we don't train it to go fast that's a very simplistic exercise so you know while in general yes physical training can be good for golfers it's maybe not the most important thing. And I, I'm not just trying to bash physical training there, but that applies to everything. That applies to maybe working on your takeaway, when you can do something better at impact, or working on your grip, when it's not really that, because we get dragged in so many areas. So the, the key thing is you don't need all these areas. What you do need is one or two of them to begin with, and they have to be specific. They're, they're all specific to you. They're specific to your game. They're specific to your strengths and weaknesses on there. 
So the key thing is that we need to make sure we're only gathering the tools that we need. And of course, it's time dependent. So yes, you may well be able to train, do everything on your game if you've got 100% of your time to allocate to golf. But we know that doesn't happen. Uh, people genuinely, when they're trying to tell me about creating a plan, you know, and I go to them, how many hours have you got to spend on your game? They'll quite often over-egg it. So normally I'm trying to create plans that they can do in about 80% of their time. So at least we get that covered. And then if they do really have the other 20%, um, we can just top it up and we can do a little bit more. But I think people overestimate how much time they have or how much time they will try and commit to the plan. But because every player, even a tour player, tour players maybe you know, on weeks when they're playing a tournament, they maybe only have about eight hours in which they can actually develop their game. So, you know, even though it's their job, they don't have a full amount of time, a full week all the time to be able to develop. It's taking up with travel and playing the tournament itself. So I think the key takeaways there are, you know, make sure we're not trying to get everything. Make sure it's specific to what you need and specific to within your time. So what is the, the most specific things, or should I say, what are the most important things that you should be doing? Where should you be focusing? Um, so every decision that you make on your game, or you and your coach, or your coach for you, in my opinion, should be done with some evidence. Um, so I don't think we're in a world where we should be dealing with people's opinions. They may be nice. Um, you know, We all have slightly different opinions, but I think at the end of the day, if we're going to make an intervention into somebody's game, and you all know how I ramble on about unnecessary interventions, we must have some evidence to back up that if I'm going to ask you to change your grip, for example, that's going to end up lowering scores or sending us on the journey that we want to go, if lowering scores is, and it almost always is for people. So the key things here, I think, are that we're, we're looking for what the deficiencies are in your game. So that, that becomes part of the evaluation process. Uh, there's no much point in, in working on things that are excelling in your game. It makes common sense to look for the deficiencies. But when we're looking at deficiencies, we want to look for some of the biggest wins. So you know, quite often when we look at the DNA of a player, you know, you take someone at the top of the game, you take Rory McIlroy as a great ball striker, but maybe his putting was below. So you maybe look there that it's, you know, there's a big win to be made. His ball striking, the rest of his game is a, is a high bar, but his putting's maybe for, for the standard he's trying to play it at a lower bar. So you would tend to think that, you know, the putting for Rory would have been and has been when he's managed it, you know, a big win. But then it's not just looking for big wins, it's looking for easy wins. Because if we can find a certain amount of, a certain percentage of a shot, difference in one area and it's easier than in another area or the perception of the coach or the team uh, whoever is there or is that so we, we're probably looking for big wins and easy wins and there's a combination maybe of of the two and then as we're looking at those things to, to you know to make a rationale out of all this we're also trying to balance that with how much time we've got because Ultimately, some of some of the hard wins might take a long time. Some of the easy wins may may take a short amount of time. So somebody who's time precious probably can't embark on maybe a big win that is going to be hard to attain. He maybe has to take small smaller wins all around his game that it is, and it also depends on on what facilities, 
things we have are at our disposal because some things are easy to monitor, some not, some need feedback, etc. etc. So basically, we, we're trying to balance off deficiencies, big wins, easy wins, how much time, and what, what facilities we have available to us. And, and ultimately, this, this is really where the coach is vital to helping you make that decision. I, I tend to find that golfers don't really know that the game is so emotional that you know if you miss a couple of putts you tend to think your putting's wrong if you drive it out of bounds you tend to think your driving's a problem what we need to make sure is that we're getting a good balanced objective view of the game and quite often it's very hard for the player because you're so emotionally attached to it to be able to see the wood for trees so you know here this is where having a, a mentor or a coach or someone just sat there giving a nice rounded opinion it will definitely help on this decision of course one of the the vital ways of making decisions these days is stats stats play an, a massive part of my analysis of players um you know you'd be surprised how few people even just measure their stroke average so you know if somebody's coming to me to lower their scores from 100 to 90 or 90 to 80 uh, you'd be surprised how they don't know what their average score is on there they tend to just base it on a, a selection of shots on there so i think it's very important that we're not only you know getting a stroke average but we know the departments of the game that are, are important and that we're strong or weaker so you know those departments for me are you know looking at approach shots primarily that tends to be the most important department tee shots short game putting and then finally sort of driving distance and accuracy so tee shots as a whole goes higher but then i always like to look at those things so those those set of six seven stats tend to be the key drivers that i would need and i always like to measure approach shots tee shots put in short game in strokes gain strokes gain for those of you that don't know is a system developed by mark Brody about seven years ago now uh, where basically to cut a long story very short and i will do a, a separate podcast all about stats uh, but basically what we have is the value of each shot so if you're using an app that, that puts it into a currency of strokes gain and the reason i like it is that it is that currency so if you want me to improve you by five shots if we're measuring it in strokes gain we know we can find two here and one there and we can see whether that's happening and we can monitor it so there are lots of apps out there there are lots of systems and way of collecting the information there's gadgets that plug into the end of your clubs and we can start to get that but the key thing here no matter what you do even if you don't keep stats is that you must start to reflect on which departments of your game are causing the problems so it's absolutely vital and then if we are getting good detailed stats what we can then start to do is benchmark players so you sort of know we know from all the information that comes off tour players you know the ones that are strong on tee shots and the ones that are strong on putting etc and that because all golfers have their own dna and so sometimes to get a golfer back to where they want to be if they've lost form it's important knowing what what they were once good at sometimes because while their tee shots might look like a strength in in the stats they may have actually dropped off their norm so understanding also what normal is for you and for golfers is vitally important so it's a good set of stats that we can look at it i always often refer to it as a, a set of accounts for your golf 
that we can look at, that we can choose the strengths and the weaknesses, monitor it, and it, it sort of becomes our guide, if you like. And, of course, the one great thing about stats is there's no emotion. Um, and it's quite often, you know, surprising when I, I talk to a player, maybe watched a round of golf and then talk them back through and we look at the detail of the stats and they, uh, they, they may have thought they didn't drive it very well, but then they'll sort of look at the stats that maybe say they, they did and they, they talk themselves, oh, yeah, probably I did. It just didn't feel quite right. So the emotion plays a big part. And so I like to neutralize that. So you need some help with a person to try and give it some rationale, but we also need the numbers from the stats. And that way, I think we can start to get the correct information so we don't make that unnecessary intervention intervention sorry which is you know for me the scourge of the game i've already touched on the fact that you need help at this point to to, to not make these interventions that could go wrong or or spoil certain parts or not get the maximum effect so i think it's it's quite important that you know in, in top level golf there's a team but i think even for a handicap golfer trying to improve that they, they need a coach and they need a good relationship with a coach um it's important, I think, that you choose the right one for you. So somebody with, you know, the experience of doing what you need, that journey that you need to go on. Uh, I would advocate that you don't change too often because often the experience a coach has of a player can stop the pitfalls. If you if you think the grass is greener sometimes and you go to a different coach, he doesn't maybe know the mistakes or or the wins you've had in the past. So, yes, definitely there's a time to change. Relationships get stale. But but certainly I think at times people jump a little bit too soon. They maybe think, you know, it usually happens when you're getting stuck with a certain area of the game and you think, well, if I go to a different coach, you, you might have the answer. Uh, and, of course, you might. But I think it's important to, to realise there could be a loss there as well sometimes on it. So... Choosing a coach, is, I always think, is, is pretty important. I have eight, eight guidelines here. But I think this applies not, not just to somebody you know trying to get on tour, but I think it applies to a handicapped golfer. I think you need to be going to someone to help you with the game that's going to add value. So you're not going just, just for an education. You're going there for them to say, you know, or not to say, but to help you get better. Um, if there's any negatives, if they're going to make you worse, I don't think that should be the case. So you always weigh up it needs to be add value. Um, I think always that coach should work on evidence based. If, if they're not demonstrating to you that this is going to make a difference to this, which will lead to lower scores or X, Y, Z, uh, and there's nothing to back it up in terms of data, stats, I think it becomes just one person's opinion against another. And I think, it, in my opinion, that's not the right way to coach. I think you should always be having something that's evidence-based. I think they need the knowledge and experience to take you on the journey that you need. Obviously, the kind of coach that's going to coach an eight-year-old child on his first uh, way into the game or a 36 handicap lady to, to come down is different to the skills that you need to get a tour player out onto the, onto the European tour. But the process is the same, but maybe the type of coach needs different experiences and different knowledge to be able to do that on that so knowledge and experience um, they need to be able to work to the common goal they need to always understand what your goal is and be working towards that i think they need to be able to inspire you because we're going to have some downtimes, and so we need we need to make sure that we're really trying to inspire people that we need you know decent work ethic we need to 
you know, for a recreational golfer, we need to inspire you to go twice a week to maybe practice and play. But for the tour player, we need to inspire you to get up at six in the morning to do it. So it's, it's those kind of things. There'll be hard parts, so we need compassion. The number of times a player has, has phoned me up and, and been in tears has you know, happened many times. Um, and so we, we need to be a shoulder to cry on. We need to encourage. At times we need to be tough because I think, you know, if the coach is not tough, if you're not achieving what they need to do, you need to be able to give that transparent answer so that when the praise comes, so that when we do give praise, it, it's justified. So the player knows that, you know, we're not getting any bullshit praise kind of thing uh, on there. And most of all, we need to enjoy it because if the relationship is, is not being enjoyed, it's probably going to be short-lived. So that there's quite a lot of facets there. And so... I think it's it's really important when you choose in who you go on your journey with that you choose correctly. Uh, and you're lucky if you found that right person. Now you're lucky. That's great. I guess the final part of, of the plan is is constantly changing it because, like I said, right at the start of this, I don't go very far forward these days. Uh, I like to constantly reassess. Uh, things will change. Things will happen very quickly at times. Things will happen slowly. So I always like to have KPIs, key performance indicators, We've always got them looking at whether, you know, whether we're tracking club head speed or angle of attack or, you know, strokes, gain, bunker play. It could be anything. We need to have those there, but they need to change. You know, very rarely we're probably tracking the same set of things for more than a month. Maybe uh, it grows. Uh, sometimes the thing, it can be a lot of things. Sometimes we need to keep it very simple. Uh, but it does need to be constantly monitored by all parties of, of the team or the player, the coach, whoever. We need to, somebody needs to be pulling that all together. The key thing here is communication as well. The player has to talk. Uh, my experience of this is golfers don't really talk when they're going well, and they tend to scream a lot when it's not going so well. So, uh, unfortunately, that doesn't work very well because we don't find things. What I find is the more I talk with my players, the more things crop up, the more we can deal with. We're ahead of the curve a little bit if, if things are starting to go wrong. You know, A classic example was... Uh, one of the players, one of the tour players I worked with, he was working with a fitness trainer, decided through the winter to really hammer the fitness regime. It went really, really well. Uh, he, he trained, his body shape changed, golf swing, he started to achieve. The, one of the reasons I drove here, I wanted him to train because I thought we could achieve some things in his golf swing that he wasn't being able to before training. Came out for the Middle East swing and it was it was scary how good the golf swing looked, how well he played played one or two, one good tournament, one one average tournament, and then went away. Um, I was with him in the Middle East, but then went away to China. Now, his, his fitness trainer was a guy called Ramsey McMaster, who was probably the leading guy in Europe then. God rest him, he's not with us now. He was an absolute legend um, of a trainer. Um, and Ram, uh, Ramsey had been talking to him in the Middle East, and then the, the player had gone away and played China somewhere, Australia maybe. Uh, and I didn't see him for three weeks and Ramsey didn't see him for three weeks. And uh, when he came back from there, he hadn't done so, so good, hadn't played great. And then he, he came into my studio at Alton Hall and, uh, and I said, how's the training going? And he looked at me a little bit sheepish and he said, uh, I've stopped it, which staggered me because he'd made so much progress. And I, and I said, why have you stopped? And he said, my golf swing just didn't feel like me. And he said, I felt like I was struggling. Well, that's fair enough. 
but his goal swing didn't feel like him. But the stats had actually suggested that it wasn't the goal swing that had given him poor tournament results. It was actually uh, probably short game and putting that had caused the problem. Uh, so there was a little bit of, of poor information there. Uh, but also, he'd not even talked to the fitness trainer. So the fitness trainer and Ramsey's just so all we need to do is while he was training up the level of balls to, to recreate to keep the feel, should I say, he'd probably just done too much training in isolation, body had felt different, and it was one of those things. So I think there was no real joined up thinking between coach, fitness trainer and player because in those days it was probably a little, you know, going back 10, 12 years, it was probably a little bit harder to communicate. Uh, the world's a smaller place now. Uh, and probably we're all better at it also. So I think there with some communication, it would have continued to train. And, and obviously what the, what the player did was he stopped training um, and went back into his old ways really in terms of golf and, and probably never really got back to the, the same level of comp competitive uh, play. But my point here is that if there'd have been good communication, I think he would have got the benefit from the training and the golf swing changes. That he'd done so i think that is really really important uh, that there is communication between all parts of the team so that's pretty much all the elements of my plan i just really want to try and summarize it if i can for you so in short uh, a plan for me should have um what is your big dream where where is your direction where are you going on there um where are you now what do your stats look like what level of your game is so you know where you're going, where are we now? Make all your decisions on the journey and, and on that route with some evidence. Make sure that you're not making unnecessary interventions. Who's helping you on this journey? Make sure you take good advice from good people. And remember, you don't need to work on everything. You don't need everything for that journey. You just need the things that are important to begin with. And then what are those immediate priorities? Where are you going? If you're going on a car journey, where are you going at the end of your street? So what are the first turns? And what are your process goals that relate to those immediate turns in your journey? You need to develop a hard core of good process goals. You need a weekly time plan with those goals and with the activities that you need to do. You need to stimulate some communication and some reflection. And then finally, the plan needs to evolve. It needs to change. It should be looked at. And we back to the start again, all in the direction of that big dream. It's my genuine belief that without a plan like this in place, it's pretty difficult to succeed. So take a little bit of time. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Take a little bit of time, sit back, grab a notebook, talk to your coach and try and come up with a plan for winning golf. Thanks very much. See you soon. You have just listened to the Winning Golf Podcast with Mark Pearson. Please subscribe and review in all the usual places on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and for further information, visit www.pmg.academy. Take your game to the next level.